And please remain standing if you're able. And let's turn to Isaiah chapter 7. Page 571 in the Blue Pew Bible, I believe. Isaiah 7. We'll read through verse 17, beginning in chapter uh, 7, verse 1. Again, this is God's holy word, his inspired, inerrant, infallible word. Let us hear it with faith. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shir Jeshub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear. And do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabiel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men? that you weary my God also. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, 
the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey. When he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah the king of Assyria. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. Well, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is the clear teaching of the New Testament Gospels. It's not in any doubt when you read the New Testament. The Bible presents it as a historical fact. And we see it here promised in Isaiah 7, verse 14. And this is the verse from the Old Testament that Matthew cites in chapter 1 of his gospel, as we read a little earlier. But today we're going to focus, rather than on Matthew's uh, passage, we're going to be focusing on the context of this prophecy in Isaiah when it was first uttered. We really need to do that to understand what was going on then. Uh, it's not uh, the setting that we normally think of when we think of the birth of our Lord. It's not a, a wintry scene with a, a manger with angels and shepherds. No, the context here is uh, one of great conflict, one of great fear. Uh, it's a setting of a military invasion that is already underway, a massive attack by uh, two enemies upon the people of Judah. That was the setting here when the Lord spoke through Isaiah, saying, the virgin will be with child. It had been a while now that uh, the nation of Israel was uh, rent in two. Some 200 years earlier, the nation was divided. The northern and southern kingdoms parted ways. Judah is the southern kingdom that stayed loyal to the line of David. And they were the only of the tribes that did stay loyal to David. The other tribes had all defected and joined together as the northern kingdom, uh, which is now uh, known as Israel. Also Ephraim being a, uh, another name for Israel, as it's uh, seen here in this passage. Israel was apostate. They had no business departing from the Davidic king. They were an idol-worshiping nation. They didn't worship in Jerusalem. They worshiped uh, in uh, uh, 
the northern kingdom. They didn't want their people going down to Judah for fear that they would return to Judah and to uh, the Davidic king. So they were gone astray and uh, fully given over to idolatry. And God was about to judge the northern kingdom for this. Judah also was falling into idolatry already at this point, but Israel, the northern kingdom, was much further gone. Well, in Isaiah's day, Israel had also allied itself with Syria, the nation uh, to the north. Israel, the northern kingdom, and Syria had joined together uh, because they uh, wanted to defend themselves against a common enemy, and that common enemy was the Assyrian Empire, the Assyrians. Assyria was the superpower of that day. Uh, they were terrible. So Assyria was the superpower, and they were just completely conquering the world, and the other nations didn't stand a chance. They were also known for their terrible cruelty. Uh, they were not kind when they conquered a nation, and uh, no other nations were any match for them. So they were terrified of, of uh, these people, and uh, of course, Judah uh, was as well, as well as Israel and uh, that nation to the north. I'm not going to say it. But that, so that's the reason why these two joined together, because they felt they were stronger together. And they wanted the southern kingdom of Judah to join with them, to form an even stronger alliance. To defend themselves. In fact, they were demanding that Judah join them. And that's really the problem that King Ahaz, King Ahaz, the king of Judah, that's what he was facing here, this onslaught of these enemies. He had refused to join them, and in response, they invade. They invaded Judah. They were trying now to overthrow King Ahaz, to force Judah into their coalition. And the pressure was mounting. Uh, the onslaught was happening already. They were in the land. They just hadn't been able to conquer Jerusalem yet. But it was a very frightening time, as you can imagine. But God's message to Israel uh, rather to Judah and to King Ahaz was to trust in him. In the face of that danger, in the face of that terrible onslaught, he's calling them to just trust in him. And Isaiah delivered that message from the Lord. Despite that pressure that they were facing from their enemies and despite how bad the circumstances looked, it looked like, how are we going to stand against these two nations that are right at our doorstep? God was calling the king and the people of Judah to simply trust in him and him alone. You know, God forbid his people from making uh, alliances with the surrounding nations. He didn't want them, these 
other uh, ungodly nations. He didn't want them joining together with them. That was to turn away from the Lord and to trust in man instead of God. And so God's calling King Ahaz here to faith. He's calling him to trust in him alone. He says, make no alliances with those surrounding nations. Trust in me and I will save you. Well, Ahaz hadn't given in to these threats from Israel and Syria. But he was very intimidated. And we see that. We see that in the description of the kind of fear that he and the people were shaken with. And he doesn't seem to be a man that has any real faith in the Lord. The invasion had stalled at this point. Uh, we're told uh, in verse 1, they were not able to overpower Jerusalem. The, the real siege on Jerusalem had not happened yet. The Lord was protecting them. God was with his people as he promised to be. But Ahaz doesn't seem to believe that. And that's the real crisis here. That's the real crisis. Not this impending invasion. But it's this, this crisis of faith. The choice was before this king who had to lead his people Will he trust in the Lord to save Judah? Or will he trust in man? Will he trust in his own schemes and plans and efforts to try to save himself? Sooner or later, that's a choice that comes to us all. We really face that choice all our lives. Will I put my trust in God or not? We face that uh, dilemma in our lives as Christians all the time. Will I trust the Lord to take care of me? Will I trust the Lord to bring me through this trial? Or am I going to trust in myself to pull myself up? Or am I going to trust in other people? Too often we just lean upon our own strength or uh, on other uh, sources of help, and we don't look to the Lord. We don't trust in God as we should. And that's that natural bent of our hearts, inward, rather than toward the Lord. But we see here, Ahaz didn't want to believe in the Lord. He doesn't even want to hear about that. He's only thinking on a horizontal level. He's thinking about what his eyes can see. He's thinking about what he can do to try to get out of this mess. He's frantically devising his own plans and, and trying to shore up his defenses and, and making some uh, other plans for deliverance that don't even involve the Lord. And that's when God sent Isaiah to him. The Lord told Isaiah, go out with your young son, Shir Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the aqueduct of the upper pool. You wonder, why would the king be out there at this upper pool? Is he just uh, killing some time? Is he just enjoying the scenery? No, it seems that he was 
thinking about um, what he needed to do and what he could do to try to save the city. This pool provided water for Jerusalem. And the king was checking to make sure it was ready for what he felt sure was coming, this onslaught against the city. He was fully expecting that to happen. He didn't expect any divine deliverance. He had no doubt that those enemies would attack and Jerusalem would be in big trouble. They'd be in for a long, terrible siege. And so he's out there checking on things, making preparations for that, overseeing these things. And he doesn't seem to believe that God will save them. And so out comes Isaiah with this message from the Lord, and he's got his young son with him. And the boy's name means the remnant will return. And his name really reveals what the Lord is going to do to preserve his people in the big picture. They're going to be disciplined, but God is going to preserve a remnant. And so God here is calling Ahaz to trust in him even through this little boy's name. And so Isaiah gives Ahaz this encouraging message from the Lord. He says, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering firebrands the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah have devised evil against you, saying, let's go up against Judah and conquer it for ourselves and set up Tabil as king in the midst of it. They wanted to set up a, a puppet king for themselves who would go along with their plans for the people of Judah to fight with them against their enemy. But the Lord said, it shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. So the son of Remaliah, again, that's the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. And Rezin is the ruler of Syria. And God basically mocks them here basically makes fun of them here. He says, don't worry about these two smoldering firebrands. He's like, he's like calling them like burned out cigarette butts is kind of the imagery. They're nothing. They're nobodies. You are the son of David. You are the ruler of my people, and I've promised to be with you. I will not let them succeed. Trust in me. He even goes on and gives, gives a, an expiration date for the northern kingdom of Israel. He says, within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. Again, Ephraim is another way of referring to the northern kingdom. And his word proved true. God kept his word. By 670 B.C., 
Assyria had wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel as a nation. So God's saying here to this king, these enemies are not worth you trembling in fear. They're not worth you worrying about. I am God. Trust in me. And in verse 9, he calls Ahaz to make a decision. He says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. What a great verse that is. Of course, this applies to us and our eternal destinies. We need to stand by faith, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, or we will not stand at all. But that truth is illustrated here in this historical setting in a, in a temporal way. But sadly, Ahaz refused to stand firm in faith. He refused to trust in the Lord. And sure enough, he did not stand. He didn't last. Soon there would be no more Davidic king on the throne of Judah. The rest would be puppet kings set up by the invading nations. And that would be the case, just one invader after another, and one puppet king after another, all the way up to the time of Christ and his coming into the world. Coming back to this call to faith God is giving here, God graciously offered to give Ahaz a sign to strengthen his faith, his barely there faith, if he had any faith at all. Isaiah said to him, ask the Lord for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Ask him for a sign. But Ahaz said, no, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. That sounds pious, doesn't it? He was trying to sound that way, but he's really refusing to trust in the Lord. He doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want signs. He doesn't want messages from the Lord. I'm sure he didn't want to hear any more that Isaiah had to say because what this man wanted was to just turn away from the Lord. He wants to trust in man. That's all he knows. And that's what he was planning to do. He was planning to ask the king of Assyria for help. Okay, I've got these two enemies coming against me, so I'm going to call out to, to their enemy that they're worried about and make, uh, make friends with him. That was his plan. So God said basically here, Okay, I know your unbelief. I know you don't want to trust in me. But I'm going to give you a sign anyway. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is a little bit of a, a difficult verse 
to understand this promise that God made here, this promise that we immediately think of the virgin birth of Christ, seemed to have multiple fulfillments. On the one hand, in that day, it seemed to point to uh, possibly to Isaiah's son that he had with him, born of a woman, born of a maiden. That word translated virgin can just mean maiden or woman. So in that case, in the context here, God would be saying that this boy would grow up a little while longer and before he's old enough to choose evil from good, these threatening nations that were coming against Judah, they wouldn't even be there anymore. They wouldn't be a threat. They wouldn't even really exist anymore. And that's, how, that's exactly what happened. Assyria conquered. But the real reference in this prophecy, of course, is the second fulfillment the real sign of Israel's hope. Not in uh, temporal salvation from Assyria. And Israel's going to have to wait some 700 years or so for that sign to be fulfilled. And in the meantime, they would have trouble. They would be chastened for their unbelief. They would uh, suffer and some of that suffering would come through the very source that Ahaz was planning to put his trust in here, Assyria. Instead of trusting in the Lord, Ahaz turned to the king of Assyria for help. But it didn't go like he'd hoped. One writer said this was like a mouse being attacked by two rats. And so the mouse called for the cat to come save him. And the cat came and ate the two rats. Then the mouse ended up as dessert. Assyria was the cat. And they came and they defeated the northern kingdom of Israel and Syria. But then they turned against Judah as well. All because this king and his people refused to trust in the Lord. There's always a price to pay when we don't trust in God. But there's no downside to putting your faith in him. There's no downside to trusting the Lord and believing his word. That's what this passage is getting at. It's a call to faith. That's really what the whole Bible is getting at. That's what it's all about. God is calling us to trust in him, to live by faith in him. And he meets our faith with his faithfulness. We trust in him and he unleashes his power to save us. And so the question for us all is, are you trusting in him? In your life, in your times of trial, in your various needs in this life, 
Most importantly, are you trusting him to save you from your sins? That's your greatest need, and mine too. Well, God proves to be completely trustworthy. And he proved to be that here. His promises came true. This unfaithful King Ahaz was going to be replaced by a far greater king. And that king is the one spoken of here in this beautiful verse, verse 14. And he would be no ordinary child. He would be born truly, miraculously. Born of a virgin, literally. He would be Emmanuel in the fullest, literal sense of that word. God with us. God and man in one glorious person. And Isaiah's got more to say about him, much more. In Isaiah 9, we learn more about this wonderful person. The same child is the one who's spoken of there in chapter 9, and he's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, God, Yahweh, the Lord, would come to sit on the throne of David, and he would have a glorious reign that would know no end. So Isaiah 7:14 is a promise of the messianic hope of Israel, the hope of the Savior. And yes, it's fulfilled in the birth of this child of Mary, who would be called Jesus, who would save his people from their sins. He is God in the flesh. He is God with us. And this is no fairy tale. This is no uh, myth. This is God doing what he says. God keeping his promises. And Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of all God's promises. And the message for you and me today is the same in essence as it was for Ahaz and the people of Judah. Make God your ally. Trust in him and him alone, and he will save you. In New Testament terms, it's still a salvation from our enemies who are besieging us. The Lord will save us from all our enemies. Your soul is under siege by the world and the flesh and the devil. And these enemies are too strong for us. We cannot think like Ahaz did and think that we're any match or that we can scheme or come up with ways of our own for overcoming these enemies. You can't try to fight them on your own, in your own strength, through your own efforts, through efforts to try to improve yourself, try to be a better person, hoping in vain that your good works will be good enough to satisfy a perfectly holy God. Not a chance. We need to forget that. 
That's all just self-salvation, just like Ahaz was seeking to do. That kind of thinking will put you squarely in hell. Instead, trust in the one who can truly save you and has promised to. Look to this one who was born of the virgin and trust your soul to him and his safekeeping. He is willing and able to meet your faith in Jesus Christ with his almighty power to save. He will forgive all your sins. He will clothe you with Christ's perfection. Jesus has already overcome all those enemies of your soul. You need only to trust in him. So as Isaiah said to Ahaz, these words apply to us as well, this exhortation. Don't be afraid. Trust in this God who is with us. He is with us in the person of his son, our Savior. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Amen. Let's pray together. Our great God, grant us faith. Lord, we confess that we are as faithless as Ahaz and anyone else apart from you granting that gift of trust in your Son and making us to be people who live by faith. We pray that you would enable us to trust always in this wonderful person who fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy, the the incarnate Son of God. Apart from Him, we will not stand. And so grant that we and, and many more would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And grant that we will always look to You with firm faith and find You to be faithful in all our lives and all our needs. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.